0: Amen. And good morning. What another, another great uh, July summer crowd. I'm excited to see everybody here today. Glad you chose to come out and worship with us this morning. And uh, excited about what next week brings. If, uh, if you, listen, even if you don't have kids and you haven't signed up to be part of VBS, just come on out and hang out and see what's going on. One of the, one of the best ways to... Uh, catch a fire, to catch a burden, to get excited about what God is doing and what God wants to do in you is to come and see other people that are excited about what God is doing. Uh, When some individuals came and asked Jesus a question, where do you live? Uh, Teacher, where do you live? He said, come and see. He knew that if they followed him that they would see and seek and find what they were looking for. And I know that if you'll just come and hang out, just come out and hang out around these people. Uh, Chrissy Fisher, our our children's ministry director has been planning this for months. And uh, she's been here, she was here last night. Erin was down in her office doing some work. And I was up with the boys uh, doing some work at the house. And Chrissy came back last night just to get ready. Uh, she has put so much time and her team has put so much time and effort. I've seen so many people here, uh, throughout the week, the last couple weeks getting ready for this. It's going to be exciting. And, uh, we haven't done VBS at this church for decades. So this is the first time in a long time. I'm excited about it. And, uh, I know that if you just come out and just, just come and see, just come and observe. And, uh, there's going to be cookies, I'm sure. Not that, uh. Not that yeah, not that that's a really big deal to you, but uh, for me, sure. Um, but just come and hang out, and I guarantee you, you're you going to enjoy yourself. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm glad, I, I see people's pictures on Facebook. I'm glad to see people getting out and doing things and having a good summer, uh, enjoying the summer, getting some rest, and glad to see that once you're done with your vacation time, that you remember where you go to church. So it's good to see so many people back. Hey, we're talking about um, WDJD. What did Jesus do? Because we're looking at uh, how we as believers, as followers of Jesus uh, reach out and, and evangelize the world but how discipleship takes place in our life. We have a discipleship program here in our church. It's a formal discipleship plant program. Uh, that one is is going away. The last people are going through that right now. And we're we've got a team together that is working on a new discipleship program where you can sit down one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three and go through a a plan of discipleship to learn about what the Bible has to say and then learn how to take what the Bible says and apply it to your life. Now that's a formal discipleship program. We've got a men's ministry that we're going to be starting here within the next uh, couple months. And in that ministry, there's going to be a lot of mentoring going on and discipleship, and mentoring is part of discipleship. But another part of discipleship, uh, a key component to discipleship is taking what you've learned and putting it into practice in your life. Putting it into action in the world in which you live. (laughs) Putting action to your faith. James says, without faith, uh, without works, your faith is dead. Not saying that you don't have faith, but your faith appears to be dead to everybody because you're not backing up what you say you believe with how you live your life. And that brings us to what we're talking about with Jesus. What did he do? How did Jesus live out his life on a daily basis? How did he minister to others? How did he take care of him of himself spiritually? What example did he set for us as we follow Jesus Christ. And we've already looked at a few things. The first area we're looking at is how Jesus managed his personal life. We see that he followed the Father's plan obediently. He proved his ministry with integrity and credibility. I cannot tell you how important that is today as Christians, that we display integrity and credibility in our lives today. Uh, I'll just we, the, Gabriel and Michael just finished um, the district Tournament for the Little League World Series yesterday it was their last game. They didn't advance, uh, but they had a great time uh, playing in those games. And I got Aaron and I got to meet a lot of new families from the Longmeadow area. Uh, we got to meet a lot of new people through the baseball season. And it was great. But I'll tell you, parents in their conversations notice which coaches have integrity and character. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. They want people with integrity and character around their kids. In fact, I had some parents talk to me and say, you know, I'm not sure we're going to continue putting so and so in if this is the coach. You know, from, I'm talking from other towns. We, we just don't like the way it's being represented. People want others around them that have character and integrity. And if we are going to tell people that we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we better well represent him with integrity and credibility. And then we looked at the fact that Jesus rested intentionally. A couple of weeks ago we started where we're going to be continuing on today. Jesus connected in prayer constantly. Prayer was a vital part of Jesus' ministry. In John 17 verses 20 and 21 he says, I pray not uh, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, we said this last week, the night before he was crucified, had an intense time of prayer. The Bible describes his, his physical situation in that time of prayer as sweating as it were great drops of blood. Jesus labored in prayer. Sometimes, folks, prayer Becomes amazing effort and work. And Jesus labored in prayer the night before he was crucified. And one of the, he, he prayed for many things. We, we read John chapter 17, you'll read many things, and I'm, that, that's just a portion of his prayer. But one of the most amazing things he prayed for that sticks out to me is there in verse 20 of John 17. He prayed for you and for me. He prayed for those in the future who would believe on the word as it was continued on down through the ages. Jesus prayed and connected in prayer constantly. Why is this such a big deal? I've, I've got to be honest. I've had people talk to me and I've, I've talked with others and people are asking me what I preach about as I go here and there and I say we're, we're in a mini series right now on prayer and people kind of look at me weird and they Ask the question, well, why? The question is your answer. Because when people don't understand the importance of prayer in the life of a believer, now we have a problem. And that's where we've come to in our society, not just in our society, but especially in many of our churches today. We're relying on other things other than prayer for the success of the ministries that we're a part of. We believe that slick advertising and new buildings and lots of money thrown at, at, at things will attract people and it will connect people and, and, and that will, be, uh, the, will, will become the flavor of the month and, and that will build our ministry. Folks, we as the church, many in the church have come to a place where we've forgotten that prayer is the power behind everything we do. We need look no further than the example of Jesus Christ for one who prayed for his ministry constantly. Prayer has become forgotten or neglected among Christians. We've we've replaced prayer in our society and replaced prayer in our churches for many different things. You have no idea how many pastors I've talked to that say we're bringing back, we're going to bring back a prayer meeting. We're bringing back a prayer meeting. Man, we probably never should have got rid of it in the first place, right? 2% of of American Christians say they've prayed corporately in church. We probably never should have got rid of prayer in our churches in the first place. As I said last week, we routinely, even as Christians, ask people to pray or send out good vibes or happy thoughts when we're going through a surgery or when we're having this or that or the other thing done. And I like the first part, but do you understand that by saying, by even considering the fact, as a follower of Jesus, let me just say this, because I know I didn't say a lot. I said some things that weren't popular last week, and I had, to, I, I had conversations about that. And I'm going to say some things this week that are not popular. I guarantee it, okay, because this is a big deal. For a Christian to believe that somebody's sending out good vibes... Will do you any good at all? Is is just uh, very untheological. I'll put it nicely. How's that? Very untheological. The Bible says nothing about good vibes or happy thoughts. What the Bible does talk about is prayer. Amen. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Man, we've got to learn to pray. We've got to learn to get a hold of God in prayer. We've got to get back to the times in our life where we pray first. And act after God has given direction. I believe that many Christians, many Americans, but many Christians too, have a distorted and dysfunctional view of what prayer is today. And we as Christians, we will will hide our our, um, enthusiasm for prayer and we'll make excuses. And we'll bypass our opportunities to pray and we'll hide the fact that we pray so as not to be made fun of or not to feel embarrassed or not. Here, here's the, the best one. And once again, please, I'm not trying to be mean. I don't, I'm not trying to be cantankerous or contrary. But listen, <laughs> when you pray, if you, let me say this, say it this way. If you don't pray because you're making somebody feel uncomfortable, keep praying. Go back to prayer. Prayer, the need for prayer, the desire for prayer, the act of prayer, many times is an uncomfortable situation. It's a sacrifice of time. It's an effort. And it's what people need. And let me just boil it down to what that really is. That's not somebody feeling uncomfortable. That's Satan attacking that individual and trying desperately to keep you from going before the throne of God in prayer. Because the answer to life's questions, the answers to life's difficulties, the answers to life's problems and struggles will be found when sought first through prayer. And we have become... uh, We've become a little bit soft as Christians because we are not want, wanted. To, we are not wanting to be seen as intolerant or um, hateful. Maybe we should maybe we should have a hashtag prayer hashtag pray and I, I spell out the hashtags. Okay, it's, I, that, cause just because I because I can and I think it's funny. It's really not, but just humor me, okay? Hashtag prayer is not hate speech. How about that? Prayer is not hate speech. Prayer is a a Christian going before the throne of grace, laying out their heart, laying out our passions, laying out our desires, laying out our hurts and pains before God and saying, Can you take this mess that I've made or this message has been given to me and do something with it? Or God, what should I do next? Where should I go next? How should I proceed? What should I do? I need answers brings us to our our next point of our, our, our message on prayer. We asked last week, what is prayer? We answered that. It's communication with God. It's the expression of our spiritual need, of our inner spiritual needs. And quite honestly, it's an intimidating and overwhelming idea. And that's what keeps a lot of people from prayer. But today I want to get into this topic We've answered what is prayer, and I've laid out a pretty, I think a pretty bold um, statement about our need to pray, and how we as Christians have uh, have almost abdicated prayer, and given it away, and replaced it with other things. Listen, I'm not going to name them off for fear of, not for fear, but because I just don't want to, I don't want to just intentionally offend somebody, but let me just say this. If you are looking to find inner peace as a believer in any other way than than through prayer, you're doing the wrong thing. Inner peace for a believer, for a follower of Jesus, comes from the Holy Spirit working in your life, which is accessed through a life of prayer. Now that's not my opinion, that's not my philosophy, that's the Word of God. And we're going to be seeing that as we dig into this topic even more. So Point number two in this message is this. Why should we pray? Why should we pray? In an age where we can do just about anything, uh, you, can, you can do just about anything on your own, right? You can accomplish a lot of things on your own. Why should we pray? People today can meet their own needs. Why should we pray? Billy Graham said this. Have you ever said, well, all we can do now is pray? When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. When we come to the point in our lives that we've exhausted, I, I love uh, the song, my mother remembered this song, He Giveth More Grace. I love the old hymn, He Giveth More Grace. My, uh, my drama teacher in high school, uh, so he was my speech teacher as well, Dave Ponce, he spoke here, Years, and he, man, when I was in high school, he spoke here at this church when the auditorium was down the hall. And he sang that song, he giveth more grace. And there's a line in there that says, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength is gone, ere the day is half done. When we've reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun when we get to the end of ourselves and what we think we can accomplish and what we think we can do and what we think is the right answer for life and for everything that we have, God is saying, okay, are you done? Because now I want to show you what I can do. And we get ourselves so twisted up in knots and so caught up in the drama of life and the exhaustion of life. And life is exhausting enough as it is, isn't it? But we get ourselves caught up in so much of this stuff that we didn't really need to try to handle or take care of because all God wanted us to do in the first place was come to him in prayer and ask us for his leadership and guidance in the matter. Why should we pray? The first thing, first reason we should pray is very simple because God tells us to. Because God tells us to. Now I promise you, many of you are not gonna like what comes next. Okay, You're just not going to. Because we have become a nation of people who are do-it-yourselfers. We have an entire TV network, the DIY network. It took me forever to try to understand what DIY stood for. Because you know why? Because they don't allow me around power tools. <laughs> That I'm lucky that they let me use a, a vacuum cleaner. I'm not allowed to. So I don't do a lot of things myself except make lunch. I'm not a DIY person. But we are a society of do-it-yourselfers, and that attitude is coming to the church as well. It's coming to the lives of Christians. We can do everything ourselves. We don't need God. God, I got this. You go and, go and take a break right now, God. I can handle this one. I got it all under control. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's when it may, not, it may not be a disaster. I'll be honest. It may not end up being a disaster. But what it does is take us farther away from God. And it gives us uh, the distorted reality that we can do what we think is best, but we're not really allowing God's plan to be accomplished in us or in the world. So we build this, found, we build this castle... On sand, And we know what the Bible story about the person who built their, king, their, their, their house on the sand did, right? That house on sand was washed away when the storms came. So we need to pray because God tells us so. This is one of those God is God and you are not situations. Right? This is one of those God is God and you are not. Well, why do I have to pray? Because God said so. Why is prayer so important? Because God said it is. God said it is. When you came to a place where you knew you needed salvation, when you knew that you could do nothing on your own to gain eternal life, when you realized that your good works were of no eternal value, some of you, when you realized that the way you were raised and the way you were taught in the churches you grew up in was wrong, wrong, and that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, and that you could not... I know there's, there's some theology, some churches teach in their theology that, yes, we're saved by grace through faith, but we access that grace through our good works. Can I tell you, that's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. It's not there. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you're saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. So if you were taught that theology and that's what you're trusting in, I'm telling you, you're trusting in the wrong things because you're trusting in yourself for eternal life and you're not the one that died for everybody's sins. And I don't say that to be smart or short or flip. That's just the truth of the matter. But with those of you who have accepted Christ as your Savior got to that point where you realized you you needed the gift of God and you needed to access that gift by praying and asking for the grace of God to to wash away your sins and, and receive the gift of eternal life, you had to pray. You had to do it God's way. Well, why, if we're trusting him with our eternal souls for eternal salvation, are we willing to do it his way, but when it comes to accessing his power and incorporating his power and getting our lives in a place where they are functional and operative and beneficial and fruitful for the kingdom of God through a local church, why do do we try to decide these things and figure them out on our own rather than do what God tells us to do? And he tells us to pray. He tells us to pray. One of the reasons is because we now live in a society where everybody's opinion matters. We're not going to get into all that and and listen, I have an opinion about a lot of things and, but they just don't matter. <laughs> my opinion is my opinion. Right? I'm going to be uh, in a stadium tonight with 35,000 people, I'm going to be wearing at least a Dodgers hat. <laughs> Maybe a Dodgers jersey. Um, I actually have a Dodgers tattoo right here over my heart. <laughs> Truly, I do. not going to show it to you, but I do. Um, <laughs> That opinion is not going to be very valuable to me tonight. Because of those 35,000 people, there's probably... Now, the Dodgers, Dodgers fan club travels pretty well. So there's probably going to be at least 25,000 of those 35,000 people that really could care less about my opinion. And they might say, hey, you're entitled to your opinion, but I don't want to hear it. That's what it is in life. We have our opinions... But just because you have an opinion doesn't mean everybody's entitled to it. Doesn't mean everybody needs it. Doesn't mean anybody, everybody wants it. But that's the way we've become in our society. Everybody's opinion is affirmed and validated and, and we don't want to hurt your, your psyche. And sometimes you're wrong. And sometimes you need to be told you're wrong. And sometimes you need to be told that you're going the wrong way. But that idea has come into the church in the form of, well, I don't necessarily believe. Well, yeah, God says it, but that's not really how I feel about it. You See what I mean? Where this is a God is God and you're not situation? <laughs> God says to pray. It really doesn't matter what you think. If you want, and re- remember... You can, let, me, let me back up a little bit because I know you're, people are going to say, well, you know, I, it's my life. I get that. But remember, what we're talking about is being functional as a Christian. We're talking about being effective as a Christian. And we're talking about following the example of Jesus Christ. And if God says we need to pray, and his son, God on foot, the incarnate Christ, prayed... Then guess what? I believe that we need to pray as well. The first reason we need to pray is because God says so. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 says this, "Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing." I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I don't even, I don't just want you to pray, but you know prayer is a form of worship. You look around our auditorium. I know it's in the dark, Uh, But if you look around, there's still enough light to see some people with their hands raised. Right? On our worship team, many of our worship team members will raise their hand, except for the instrumentalists and there's a reason for that. Right? They can't lift their hands. But we raise our hands in worship for many reasons. But the Bible says in prayer, I want you to Worship me in prayer just like you worship me in song. Just like you worship me in music. Word, prayer is a form of worship. You're coming to God and saying, God, you are the God of the universe. You are the one who created all things. You're the one who died for my sins. I worship you, and I'm coming to you seeking your guidance. In First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18... Paul writes to us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not only did God say to pray, he says it's his will that you pray in all circumstances, in all situations, good or bad. Whether you're happy or whether you're hurting. Whether you're at the top of your game or whether you're in the deepest valley. He says to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to communicate. I want to talk with you. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're feeling. I want you to know that I have a plan. And I want to guide you through your situation. Matthew 6, 6. Jesus was teaching, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus himself said, I want you to pray. I want you to come aside and I want you to spend time in prayer talking to your Father in prayer. The First reason we should pray is because God tells us to. Let's get a little bit more more practical about it. Why else should we pray? Secondly, because God promises that it matters. God promises that prayer matters. Many of you have ever heard the little catchphrase, prayer changes things? You know that has become a theologically debated question lately. Does prayer really change things? If God is sovereign, does prayer really change things? Or are we simply affirming the will and purpose of God. We're not going to take the time to go through the Bible and show you the many times that prayer did change things. But let's just suffice it to say that, yes, prayer does change things. One of the big things that prayer changes is you. Listen, what you're praying for, the outcome of what you're praying for may continue to be what the outcome was going to be. But what prayer does many times is change the person who is praying. And it calms our spirit and it lines us up with the will and purpose of God. And prayer brings us to the point where we accept what God is wanting to do. Because many times what we're doing is rebelling against the will and leadership of God in our lives. And God is trying to get us to listen. He's trying to take us to a better place. It may be through a difficult time, but he's trying to take us to that place, but we're fighting against it, saying, no, God, I don't want to do it. Some of you, let's get personal here right now. Some of you, God is saying, I want you to get involved in church. I want you to be involved in ministry. I want you to be an active part of new life. Well, God, I I don't agree with everything. Okay. We don't agree with everything everywhere. I'll guarantee you I could sit down with Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, and I could talk a little bit of baseball, not that it's going to matter. But hey, you know, I think you should play Jock Peterson at first base tonight instead of David Freeze because Jock has 22 home runs this year and David Freeze doesn't. And, you know, it wouldn't matter. It just really wouldn't matter. But God promises that when you come to him in prayer, it does matter. He wants to hear. You know know what God wants to hear as well? He wants to hear your complaints. He wants to hear your struggle. He wants to hear your ideas. Because there are times when I've gone to God in prayer and I've said, Lord, you know, this is what I really wanted. I'm really thinking that this would be a good thing in our church. But I'm not quite sure. What, What do you think? Would you give me wisdom? As we've continued to grow, I mean, look around, we've got a, this is a great summer crowd. It really is. We're growing. The church is growing and things, great things are happening. And I've had to go to God and say, listen, God, I've never pastored a church that has over 200 people in it. I had a youth ministry with over 300 kids, but those are teenagers. <laughs> and you can throw them a hot dog and everything's cool. Right? But God, I've never been the guy in the lead of, and even when I was a youth pastor, I had to answer to a couple different layers of leadership. But I don't, God, this this is something I think might work, but I'm a little bit scared, God. I'm a little bit scared of making the wrong decision here. I'm a little bit scared that I may step out and do something that I think is good but they could be a total flop and could cause some issues. So God, would you just guide my mind and my heart and give me understanding about what to do? I did that about a men's ministry because I'll tell you what, the, the, the most important ministry we have in the, on the drawing board right now is a viable, powerful men's ministry. It, it is. It just is. Take my word for it how to do it, how to, how to do a good men's ministry. I'm 56. Now I'm a young 56. Got a lot of spare parts, a lot of new parts, but I'm a young 56. I'm still immature. I think, I think I'm past the stage of taking my baseball glove to the game tonight, <laughs> but maybe not. Bring it. I, may, I may take a backpack and have my baseball glove in. the and, I'm the goofy guy, the nerd that'll take a baseball down and get a signature of a 21-year-old Major League Baseball player because, because I'm still a kid at heart when it comes to those things. But I'm 56, and most of the men in our church are not. They're younger guys. And what I would find effective in a men's ministry is not necessarily what would be effective. So I've had to go to God and say, God, I know we need this. This is vital in our church right now. It truly is to connect men. So show me how to do that. And it was several months of prayer that brought me to the place of understanding that we need to have a multi-leadership team in our men's ministry Because men today are coming from many different areas of life and many different experiences. And not everybody is a baseball fan. Oh, that was... I thought that that was Brian, and I'm like, what are you, a hypocrite? (laughs) Seriously. Oh, it was Mike. Yeah. And not everybody is a tool and car guy. But if we bring together men from four different places in life, then we can cover so much more ground and be so much more effective. And that's not my idea. That was the Holy Spirit leading me. You know how I got there? I prayed about it. I prayed about it. And I got leadership from God through praying about it. Because God promises that my prayers matter. Oswald Chambers said this, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer doesn't fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. James 5, verses 15 and 16 say this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and Effective. Those are not my words. Those are the words of God in the book of James. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you believe, like I do and like this church stands, that the Word of God, the Bible, is the inspired 100% Word of God, then what those, go back one slide, that what, what, that's, what that verse says truly matters. Prayer there we go. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Those are not, once again, those are not my words. Those are the words of God in his word that he gave to us as an instruction manual for life. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God promises to you that the time you spend in prayer is not wasted time. It's not simply a time for you to make yourself feel better. It's not simply a time for you to get counseling, for you to lay on a spiritual couch and be uh, and, and make yourself feel better about being a Christian. Sitting down in prayer and spending time in prayer and going to the God of the universe is a time of powerful exercise of your faith that matters in your walk with the Lord. And if it matters in your walk with the Lord, that means it matters in the ministry that you perform. And that means vis-a-vis we come to the point where prayer changes things. Prayer matters. Why should we pray? Because prayer matters. And thirdly, why should we pray? Because God promises to do something about our requests. God promises to do something about it. God is not, uh, was that file 13? Is that what the the trash can file 13? God doesn't just take your prayer and stamp it and put it over in a basket that he's never going to look at again. He promises to do something about your requests. When it comes to prayer, we must remain connected to our source. If you want something to be done, if you truly believe in prayer, and you truly want something accomplished through your time of prayer, you've got to stay connected to your source. I remember talking to uh, some people in the past, and one guy in particular, he says, I only pray about something once because that's enough. Man, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says continue to seek, continue to ask, continue to knock, and God will answer your prayers. Romans 8, verses 26 through 28, in the same way the Spirit helps in our weakness. Listen to this next part. Read read this next part up here. In the same way also, uh, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you don't know you, know you need something, you know you need to pray, but you have no idea what to pray for? You have no idea what you need. Man, you're in that situation in life, and you need an answer, but you don't even know what the question is. The Bible says, go to God in prayer anyway. Because in those, in those difficult times in life, where your mind is just spinning, where your heart is broken, where life is just, it just feels like a weight you can no longer carry. Jesus promises us that if we'll come to Him and open up our hearts in prayer, even if you just break down and cry and you just say, God, look at, look at this, look at this, what do I do with this? I've been there, man. I've been there. Many people have been there. We have people right now that are there. What do I do with this? Lovingly, he comforts us. He says, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Now, it may take some work, it will take time, but I've got a plan. I can fix this, I can put this back together. But you have to trust me, you have to follow, you have to listen, you have to act, but I can fix this, it's okay. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. When you don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit does. He knows what you need, he knows what you're struggling with, we, on Wednesday nights, we're going through Philippians, and we're talking right now about uh, tearing down strongholds in our lives. And I, as, I've, as I've grown and, and learned about myself and about where I am spiritually, uh, <sighs> all right, <laughs> I'll say it. I, uh, the biggest stronghold in my life is food. I, I struggle with food. Terribly and drastically, I struggle with food and it's painful it's been, some some of you you know the, the inner struggles you have are inside they can't be seen well mine you can and it's not fun if you've ever if you've never had a weight problem thank god for the fact that you've never had to struggle with that man i work out like a crazy person even with even with a a, hip, a replaced hip, a replaced knee, and, a, and three joints in my foot that are fused, I still work out like a crazy person. I jump 24 inches from the floor up onto a box to try to get my leg back strong again. And I put all that work and effort in at the gym only to go have a cheeseburger. It's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. And if, if you're like me and you struggle with that area of life, While you're eating that delicious Big Mac, you're hating yourself with every bite because you know it's not good for you. And it's not just that. Many of you have have struggles in life like that. And I've done things to lose that weight, to tear that stronghold down. I had a, a, a surgery to put a band around my stomach, and I lost 80 pounds. Kept most of that off but I still can't get any lower because I just eat. And it's not because, it's not because I'm, I'm sloppy. It's not because I have no self-control. There's a reason for it. And this is where it fits in because I don't like talking about these things, but it needs to be said. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's a spiritual issue. I've tried everything to get that under control in my life. I've tried, I've tried to make Aaron my warden. <laughs> don't bring that stuff, do, please don't. Because if it's there, and I'm the kind of a person, I've said this before, I can leave the pack of double stuffed Oreos on the counter and I could not touch him. But if I touch him, it's over. And I know that sounds funny. But it's really kind of sad. What I've come to the conclusion to, of what the conclusion I've come to through all the prayer about this issue, because I labor in prayer over this. I don't want to die at 57 from a heart attack. And where I'm at, is not a good place. And you guys all have struggles in your life that are the same way. They may not, may not be visible, but they sure are painful struggles. I've had to come to the place with God and just lay it all down. <laughs> say, God, I don't know why this is such a problem for me. I don't know why I can't get it under control. I don't know why I can't say no to this. I don't know why I struggle with it. You have got to reveal to me the root of my problem. God, please. I'm done with these crazy schemes and these ridiculous ways of doing stuff to try to get rid of it. I want to attack it at its source. I want to find out what what the power behind this stronghold in my life is so that I can have it torn down and conquer it and get over it. And I say that to say this, prayer matters because God says he will do something with your requests. He says, if you come to me with your burdens, if you come to me with your struggles, if you come to me with your difficulties, I will help you. I will give you the answer. I will show you what is wrong and what needs to change. I'm looking forward to an answer to that problem. You'll never find the answer, the spiritual answer, that would tear down strongholds in your lives and will get you to the next, next level of growth in your life if you don't go to God in prayer. Prayer matters. You're not going to find your answer to inner peace on a yoga mat. You're just not. You're not going to find your answer to inner peace in a meditation room. You're going to find, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to find your answer to inner peace in the room that you shut the door on and go to God in prayer. That's where you're going to find your answer he says goes on and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for god's people in accordance with the will of god and we know that all things and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose romans 8:28 we know that god works for the good works all things for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose what do i see here folks whether you understand it or not god has a plan whether you understand it or not god has a plan some of you are wondering why god brought you to massachusetts <laughs> some of you are wondering why god brought you to a church in east long meadow we could sit down and have a conversation and I could tell you why you're desperately needed here at New Life. I'm not, I'm not saying we just have a place for you to get involved. I'm saying we desperately need people who want to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ and who want to get involved in the ministry of New Life Church. We desperately need you. Why? Because we're desperate to reach them out there. I don't really care what your um, what your uh, skin color is, I don't care what your um, uh, nationality or I can't even think of the word I want. I don't care what your background is. I know that as a human being there's somebody out there that you can reach with the love of Jesus Christ. And everything that God has done in your life, including bringing you here to new life, is for your good and for his kingdom. And he's got a purpose for you. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can I go back to my personal struggle for a minute? Listen, not much has changed since I've been praying except this. I am now open with God about my issue. And I have a confidant to talk to, to complain to, to get angry with, to, to, get, to share my anger with. And I know that because I'm going to him and opening up my heart, the, to be honest with you, the darkest part of my heart Him in prayer. I know He's going to work it for my good, even if it's simply giving me peace in my life. Some of you need to do just that. Some of you need to go to God and open up to Him about the deepest hurt you have in your heart. Why? Because He says, I'll do something about it. And I'll take whatever it is that you're praying to me about, whatever the struggle is in your life, whatever you've endured, the hurt, the pain, the issues, whatever it is, I'll work it out for your good. I'll do something good with it. I'll give you beauty for the ashes of your life. Because God has a plan, whether you know it or not. James 1, verses 16 through 18, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, every good and Perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through his word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. Every good thing in your life, every good gift is a gift from God. You access those good gifts. You connect with those through prayer, through connecting with God. Lastly, why should we pray? Because it's exactly what Satan doesn't want you to do. It's exactly what Satan doesn't want you to do. He wants you to think that you can be self-sufficient. He wants you to think that you have the answers to all your problems. He wants you to think that you can do things on your own. Why? Because the more you rely on yourself, the less you rely on God. And now that, although that may sound good that I can be a self-reliant person, when it comes to building the kingdom of God, it's the worst thing a Christian can be. A self-reliant person. Because you need to understand that you are simply a part of God's plan and he wants to move you around in life to where your gifts and talents will be best used for him. But I want this, okay? But is that what he wants? Is that what he needs from you? You'll never know unless you connect with him in prayer. But Satan wants you to stay away from prayer. Billy Graham said this, Satan will contest every hour you spend in Bible reading or prayer. He'll contest every hour. He'll contest everything you do to grow in your faith and especially when it comes to time in prayer. You ever had those times where you cannot focus in prayer? On Saturday nights I do a prayer drive. The last two Saturday nights have been crazy. Usually it's about 45 minutes. I used to take walks and and uh, when I started with my surgeries I just started driving. I take about 45 minute drive just praying For the church, praying for the ministry and praying for everything going on, the worship team, our Sunday school teachers, praying for you that are going to be here, and then praying for me in the sermon and just kind of surrendering myself to God. Can I be honest with you? The last two weeks, the last two Saturday nights, it's taken me over an hour and a half to pray. Because the attacks on my mind have been so brutal and vicious that I haven't been able to focus. And I get distracted. Anybody ever get distracted in prayer? And I get distracted. And it would be easier and it's much more fun to think about other things than it is to pray. Although I know that spending time in prayer is much more profitable and beneficial, it's still a whole lot easier to think about baseball or to think about mowing the lawn this week. And he'll use anything to distract you. Prayer is exactly what Satan doesn't want you to do. Why? Because he knows how powerful it is. He knows the power of an activated Christian filled with the power of God. Satan knows that, and he doesn't want any bit of that. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober mi- of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour the sad truth for many Christians is we get devoured daily in prayer. We get devoured before we ever get to, the, to our knees in prayer. Satan distracts us and gets us away from us and makes us think that it just doesn't matter. Well, I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm not very good in prayer. Well, I don't know what to talk. I don't know what to say. Didn't stop you from asking that girl out on a date now, did it? Didn't stop you from uh, talking to the teacher to ask what your child needed in school. Didn't stop you from talking to the salesman to find out which version of the iPhone would be best for you. What do those three things plus others have in common? They all were the beginning of a relationship and they started with opening a conversation, opening a dialogue. That's all God wants from you. I can't pray, that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. I can't pray. No man, you can pray. You just need to start. You just need to open the dialogue. I don't know what to say. Say this. Hey, God, it's John. I don't know what to say right now. So I just think I'm going to talk. Most of us are pretty good at that. You know what? You can pray in your car and it doesn't really matter anymore because you have Bluetooth and people think you're on your phone. Right? You're not a crazy person anymore when you're praying in your car. Simply start the conversation with God. Why should we pray? Because it's what God has told us to do. Because it's what activates the power in your life. It's what gives you direction for your life. And I challenge you, try it. Stop making excuses. A powerful prayer life starts with the first word. I promise you that if you will commit to prayer, it will take you places in life that you never dreamed you'd go. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak today about the power of prayer. Speak today about the importance of prayer, how you want us to pray, God. Lord, Satan will combat us at every turn about getting active in prayer. He doesn't want us there. And Lord, I know that many people here today still doubt whether or not they can pray, whether they can be effective in prayer, and whether you will even hear them. God, would you make the teaching of your words so very clear to us that prayer does matter, that you want to talk with us, that you want to hear from us, that you're just waiting to give us answers. Give us the courage it takes to pray, Lord, because courage is what's required. God, as we go from this place, may we not forget what we've heard, what we've learned. May we spend time thinking about it and, yes, praying about it. And would you reveal yourself to us, those who know and those who doubt, just what you want to do with us and through us in our lives of prayer. Take us from this place with your blessing, God. May we honor you. In your name we pray, amen. Just before we leave, if I could have a few individuals.